Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today's guest is Amy Hannon. Amy is on the show talking about how a little hospitality goes a long way based on my devotional, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. In today's episode, Amy shares insights through her book, Gather and Give, to inspire you to embrace the simple hospitality of the Bible that values connection more than perfection and people more than presentation. Join us as Amy shares scriptural principles and practical ideas to make everyday hospitality a natural, joy-filled part of your life. Well, hello, Amy, and welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so happy to have you. It's so fun to be here. Nice to see you. So today's conversation is all about how a little hospitality goes a long way. And you say that you cut your hospitality teeth living out your role as a preacher's wife in the South. So I'd love for you just to begin today's conversation by telling us how hospitality became a way of life for you. Oh, absolutely. So I was one of those also in the South who met the boy that I was going to marry my senior year at the University of Arkansas. And then I married him. Actually, I married him in my senior year. And the thought of my children coming and telling me they're going to get married in their senior year right now makes me, I mean, they're older than that, but if they had, I'd be like, oh my gosh, really? But that was us. So we got married very young and then immediately went on staff at a Bible church here in Northwest Arkansas. And our church operates on the mindset that some of God's sweetest and most precious work is done in lives through homes. And so we actually meet in small groups. Now I realize that that is the modern day way that a lot of churches are doing things, but listen, 30 years ago, that sounded cultish. <laughs> my mother, my mother was like, now what? What do y'all do? Y'all aren't sitting in chairs in a circle at Sunday school class at nine 30. I said, no, we're, we meet in homes and they're, you know, it, it felt a little rogue. And so, but listen, I loved it. I loved it. I loved that we opened our home. We served soup. We put out chips and dip or whatever in paper plates and styrofoam bowls and all those things. And we served people. And then we huddled up on couches and just our conversation moved from this week's things and catching up and all of that to spiritual things. And I really loved what was happening there inside my home. And of course we've been leading small groups ever since. I mean, we've done them for 30, you know, 30 years and it never, it has never lost on me the, the setting of a hospitality encounter inside the walls of someone's home over a shared meal. It is a different way. It's a different tenderness and kindness and warmth and authenticity that takes place in that, in a hospitality setting. Um, and I really love it. So that's really what happened for me early on is, you know, serving people in my home because it's the way our church was set up and it just got in my blood. And so, you know, once you set a table and invite people in and ask the Lord to move and he does it, it's a, it's kind of contagious. You kind of want more and more and more of that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just become a way of life for us because we really, we really treasure our time with people in our home. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how, how many times Jesus shared a meal with people. I mean, it's all through, it's all throughout the Bible. And so, you know, I, I imagine this is something that you grew in, but did hospitality come naturally for you, would you say, or was it something that you learned to develop and got better with practice? 
Oh, I have stories about all the ways I did it wrong early on. So I think what happened for me, and I think what happens for a lot of us, like we can just be completely honest. And, and in my book, I'm well in my book and in my life and in anything, I never want to be somebody that doesn't say I did this so wrong, or I had a failure or y'all I'm so upside down in this. So, because we all feel like that so many times, I think our hearts want to serve the Lord, but we get real upside down and kind of maybe sideways in what kind of sneaks in and changes our focus and gets us all kind of in a frenzy. Um, so yes, the question is, has, has this been a journey? Has it been natural? Yes. And yes. Um, I am wired for people. I'm wired in my core by the Lord to crave relationships. I love to hear people's stories. I love to connect. I love to move very quickly to common ground. It's my favorite thing. I I love it. I mean, ask my children in the grocery store, on the subway in a city. I mean, at a restaurant. I mean, I, I love people and their stories and common ground. So yeah, the Lord wired me for those things. And then of course, you know, coming to faith and having the Holy spirit in my life, those things kind of mesh, um, you know, for God's glory in my life, it's my, it's gifting and his purpose in my life. And so, I mean, that's, that part has always been pretty easy for me, the people part of it. Um, and then I'm also an Enneagram too. So I love to serve. It's one of my great joys. So for me, I think I'm God wired naturally to practice hospitality. Um, I know some people are not God wired naturally to practice hospitality, but it's still a call on our lives. And so I am not God wired naturally to do a lot of things. And they really push me out of my comfort zone to share those gifts or to follow the Lord in obedience in those ways. Like sharing the gospel makes me nervous. I mean, I just, I believe in the gospel. I want to share the gospel and I, I just clam up. I get nervous. It is not natural for me. Hospitality is natural for me. Somebody that's listening might say, oh my goodness, this is sharing the gospel for me is a piece of cake. I could never open my home. We'll see. I mean, we all have the things that we're natural at, and then they give us a lot of joy that we're really strong in. And then we also have some things that are still a call on our lives to follow the Lord in that take way more reliance on him um, so that he can really show his power through us. And so I, I'm wired to for people in service. I love it. Um, so it's natural for me, but you know, as with anyone, whether we're following the Lord out of our natural gifting, or maybe just an, an obedience to, to do what he's asked of us in ministry and life. Um, you know, we still, we still lose our focus and go crazy and listen to the world and do things for ourselves. I mean, our flesh, we're always kind of battling that the flesh gets in the way and our pride gets in the way and what people think about us gets in the way. And so that, that always happens. I mean, that just because hospitality is natural for me does not mean that I don't also combat some of those things like every other human being. Um, so that has been a journey that the Lord has, um, you know, allowed me to walk and I still do. I still do. Um, I have moments where I get really sideways and uptight about it's got to look just so and be just so. And then I have other times and I'm like, oh Lord, I hate the way that feels. And then there are other times where I'm like, 
it ain't no big thing. I'm just having people here and it's casual. And I'm like, here, I'm going to pick this up and set. And I'm really walking in the spirit and it's not about me. And those are really, really sweet times. So it's a journey for all of us, really, um, you know, to follow the Lord this way. But I'm always hoping to surrender to him and have the right heart about my hospitality and, you know, continue to let it be a really influential ministry platform that we use in our lives. You know, before we hit record, Amy, you and I were talking about that we both had the opportunity to build homes. And part of mm-hmm. the, the dream for those homes is to, to fill them with, with people, to, to host people and be hospitable. And it's funny because I actually had to put this into practice. My son had, he and a, one of his friends were like, yeah, we really want to have a party. <laughs> <laughs> like, and literally this was like at three o'clock and they wanted the people to come over like then I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've not cleaned bathrooms. I've not gone to the grocery. I've not done, you know, like all these things. And, um, so I'm like, oh, but no, we built this house. So we could be the gathering place. We want people to be here mm-hmm. but when it was like my time to actually like put it into practice. Then I'm like, oh, but I don't have any, everything ready. And I even saw a meme the other day that it was a mom. And she said something to the extent of, like, I want to be a go with the flow mom, but like, tell me what time the go with the flow starts. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Isn't that so true. me. Like if I have everything ready and I've like mentally prepared, then I can host. Um, and so all that to say, you know, we're talking about, you have three children. I have two children. We have spouses. And so like, what does it look like? It's not just about hosting other people in our home, but like, what does it look like to be even hospitable within like our family unit and unit with our spouses? Oh, well, you know, I, um, I really believe that one of my, for me, I mean, I think for all of us really as a call to be women and listen, I'm, let me say this before anybody gets ruffled. I'm a business owner. I work 40 hours a week, sometimes 60 hours a week. I'm a boss. So I'm not, I'm not knocking either role that any woman chooses or anything like that. But I will tell you, I really do believe out of all of the big things that I do and operate and manage and steward, my family and my home is still number one. And I really do pray while I'm writing or traveling or speaking or creating events or hosting people or ordering product for the holiday season, whatever it is that I'm doing, big projects, little projects. I always pray that I will, the Lord will help me to have a sense of some kind of balance and pull to, to be sure that I'm serving my husband and my family well, um, or my, you know, if you aren't married, like your roommates, like whoever's the, whoever it is that the Lord has your parents who may live in your town. Um, you know, I do think that some of our very most important and longest running impact, deepest impact is comes from how well we serve our family um their discipleship opportunities to you know pour into our kids and to model servanthood and kindness and leadership and all those kinds of things um care in the lives of our kids so i always would say that i get to show hospitality to a lot of people um, and i love it and i love to take food to people and i love to teach women on big stages about how to get out there and show hospitality to people around them. But truly, I feel like one of our greatest opportunities for long-standing hospitality that will affect generations is how well we care for the people that live inside of our homes. And that is that's my greatest privilege, truly. And then 
you know, my kids, number one, and then all their friends. Like I loved to mother all of their friends and nurture all of their friends and feed all their friends. And, you know, if you're, you've got your kids that are teens, preteens, mm-hmm. kind of in there, middle school, junior high-ish, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have food, they're going to come to your house. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, is it, it meets a physical need of theirs. It is so ordinary and normal. It's part of their lives. They're always hungry. And so if you serve food, but you've got a heart that understands the purpose of our hospitality is to love them really well and show them what it looks like to live a life in light of the gospel and be a safe place and a good conversation and all of that kind of thing. I mean, they're going to come and it's a treat. You are going to have so much fun in this next season of life with your kids and their friends. It's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> you're going to love it. You're going to love it. Your advice for me. I hope it's okay to share. You said, mm-hmm. just make sure you have plenty of chips and salsa on hand. <laughs> and uh-huh. thought, you know, don't we overcomplicate it? And my husband even said the same thing about this, this party or whatever we were supposed to have. He's like, Rachel, these teenage boys do not care what you make. <laughs> like, well, think about this. Think about, okay, this, and this has helped me a lot. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I always think about like, what does a teenage boy's bedroom look like? And what does their bathroom look like? It's disgusting. <laughs> so is even if I have mail everywhere and shoes under the coffee table and the toilet isn't wiped, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's also 8 million times better than what they're probably living in, in their own little square room. And so I feel the same about college students. I used to get so worried about when my friends had their college students, you know, I'd think, oh gosh, I've got to hurry and do that. And I'm like, gross. Do you, I know how college students live. My house is perfectly fine. So there's, that's with young people, but let me just say this too. This is so key, I think. And this is the place the Lord has brought me. So this isn't something I've just conjured up. I used to really want people to just think my life was so beautiful and I have a great life. The Lord has been kind and I love beautiful things. I love a flea market, like nobody's business. I mean, collecting beautiful things that tell stories. I love all that. Um, but you know, I think as I grew in my hospitality and as I encountered hospitality invitations in other people's homes, so my take on it as one who was, you know, receiving it, I think I was always more impressed in my spirit and in my heart and felt good about my, the way I I felt good when I left their homes were people who had the most ordinary normal welcome. And because it makes us find common ground and common ground is what we want. And common ground is where relationships flourish. And so, yeah, I can put on a show and make sure that there's everything is wiped down and everything is put away. And the mail is hidden because obviously nobody else has mail or Amazon (laughs) boxes. Nobody else has Amazon boxes in the dining room, but me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I used to just put it all away and that's real life. I don't want to put my real life away because my real life, the ordinary of my real life becomes extraordinary because the Lord gets in there and we find common ground and people want to connect with people who are like them. And so like the other night, um, my daughter's boyfriend's family came into Northwest Arkansas from Denver. We had never met them. And this is the, the old me. The old, I had, let me say this. I'll say the new me, the revised version of me. I have Amazon boxes 
in my formal dining room, it is right when you walk in the door, they are stacked six high. I'm not kidding. They've got those fat bubble mailer roll, like bubble roll things are kind of hanging out. I mean, it's tidy-ish, but I mean, it's Amazon boxes and they're open and all that. I didn't have anywhere to put them that they were really going to be out of sight other than dragging them out to the garage. And I was like, let's leave them. Sam said, what? You're going to, you're going to leave those. I said, we are, because you know what? Everybody has Amazon boxes and I left them and I didn't think a thing about it. And they walked in, they said, your home is beautiful. I said, oh, that's really nice. And I pointed them out. We have Amazon boxes in the corner. Are y'all okay with that? And they were like, yes. And so old me would have literally, if I couldn't find a place to put those Amazon boxes, I would have crammed them in the back of my suburban because I would never want somebody to think that I had deliveries. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that I wouldn't want them to think that I hadn't put everything. Was it just Mm -hmm. so? And now I'm like, why would I think everybody does? Everybody has mail. Everybody has lint on their, um, lampshades, everybody, you know what I mean? Like Uh it's not real life. And so I actually think it's more welcoming, the more normal you are now, do I think you should have a really gross kitchen and bathroom? I would probably make some effort, but I don't think that we should get upside down in a frenzy and a panic and a cold sweat running around trying to put away real life because real life is so appealing and real life is what creates relationships. It's what we build relationships on. And so just that's kind of where I am now in two weeks. Could I have somebody else over for dinner? And I get completely freaked out by the orange ring in the toilet. Yes, I could. Um, it just kind of depends on me and the Lord at the moment. Um, but yeah, real life is real life is beautiful. And it's what hospitality really is about. You know, you mentioned earlier your business um, and you started that after you know working out at your home and rearing your babies. And so the, it's a, it's a kitchen boutique in your grandmother's name. Is it Una May? It's Una May's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my grandmother is Anna May. And so I just, I just love that. Um, so tell us about this, this part of your story and the fulfillment of your dream to open sure. up this boutique. Well, like I told you, um, you know, I stayed at home because, um, being at home with my kids was super important. I also worked some from home, but you know, I was always around, um, did some design work for some people. Um, it's a long story. I'm basically a maker. So I designed a lot of things so I could send files to people like graphics design and things like that. Well, I could also run to the pep rally and run treats to the teacher's lounge. That mattered to me a lot to be involved where my kids were involved Um, and to cheer for those people. Like I wanted to have a relationship with my kids, teachers and their friends and their friends, families. Like that really mattered to me. That was a ministry season for me and I knew it would come to an end. And so once they got older, I had more time on my hands and I've laughed and said, I made the mistake of telling the Lord, Hey, how do you want to use me in this new season of my life? And I, I really didn't know what to expect, but I honestly can remember the day that I had just been kind of whispering it, praying it. It was kind of quieter around my house. My kids, they were in high school. So they were driving themselves. You weren't in the car for, from 7am till nine o'clock PM. 
running your children and their friends everywhere. I had all this time. And so just over the course of time, as I had prayed that I had this one particular day where I, I felt like I was going to explode, you know, that feeling like Mm. on my chest explode. And my husband happened to be working at home that day. And I went into his office and I said, I opened my mouth to tell him that God was really pushing me. And I didn't know what it was. And as soon as I opened my mouth, I bawled my face off. And I said, I have been praying this. I, I can't sleep. I feel like I'm wrestling with the Lord. And only the only thing I'm hearing from him at this time, and this sounds super, you know, spiritually voodoo-y, all that stuff. And I don't, I don't claim to really, I don't throw around carelessly that I felt like I really heard God say very clearly to me. But in this instance, I absolutely knew it. I heard him say bigger. I'm about to do something bigger. And I didn't know what it was. I told Sam I was scared to death. And my husband, who is so wise and wonderful and has been the best partner in life and ministry, he said, well, let's start praying about it. And then let's just start processing. And he's, this is so great. You know, I'm all these feelings. And he said, what are you passionate about? How do you love to spend your time? What are your natural gifts? And if you could spend half an hour with a young woman or wife or mom or whatever, what would you want? How would you want to encourage them? What would you want to tell her? And he took all those things and we processed all that. And every single bit of it came down to the ministry of hospitality. So we started praying real specifically about, all right, Lord, what does that mean? Um, and so I'll be honest, it is, it's crazy how many people I would get, I, I was like, do I open it? I said, what if I just opened a kitchen store? You know, here I am with people. I, I want to be around the people. I said, what if I was able to get out of my house, shave my legs, wash my hair and go to a store that is beautiful and smells good and is lovely. And I hire women who understand that this is ministry veiled in retail. And we are this beautiful little shop on the corner where people come in and they are encouraged to have good things in their hands and better things in their hearts. And they feel inspired to show hospitality. And I use it as a platform to talk about spiritual things and lean in and pray for people who come in the door and all that stuff. Like, what if it's kind of this new little platform? So that's what we opened was Unimaze. And I honestly believed in my heart that that would be the only thing that it was, which to me, opening a retail store in my forties, having never worked outside of my home, that was big. That was big enough. And then I just, you know, I, Sometimes I cry about this and I probably could right now. I have to think about it for a second. Hang on. I honestly, oh shoot, I'm going to cry. That's okay. <laughs> it just mean, means it's important to you. <laughs> I never in my dreams imagined that saying yes to the Lord to open that little store and to be a voice in the hospitality arena. And I was scared of it. I mean, really, you don't, you put yourself out there. You don't know if you're hearing right. Um or following right or doing the right things and you make a financial investment and you want so badly for it to be something that is God honoring and you want him all over it. I mean, it's our, our hope. And sometimes the Lord sees fit for that to happen. And sometimes it's a, it's a different journey for us spiritually to depend on him. Sometimes we do things that don't work and I just didn't know which to expect. And I really never dreamed in my whole life that by opening that little store and taking that first step, 
to follow the Lord in this hospitality industry and arena, biblical hospitality industry, that he would really light fire to it and do all of the neat things that he's done. Not for me. Yes, I'm getting a gob of opportunities to talk about the hospitality command on our lives and to be a normal woman who says, if I can do it, you can do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm getting to do some fun opportunities, but what I'm seeing him do through that message in the lives and at the tables and in the homes of the women who are listening and responding absolutely makes me fall on my face. I'm so grateful and it, it just thrills me to pieces. And so that's kind of where I am now. I mean, that's where I am now. And I'm so grateful. So one of those bigger things that maybe you didn't even see coming into fruition. So after you opened your kitchen boutique, you were hired to host a cooking show, which then (laughs) led to your first cookbook titled Mm -hmm. love, welcome, serve. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Do you have like a favorite recipe? Like that's your go-to when you're hosting, like if you're going to have us, all of us listening Mm -hmm. to the podcast, well, I don't know about all of us, (laughs) but over to your house. If I could do it, I would. (laughs) What would you serve us? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a feeler. So, you know, like today it's a little bit like windy and cloudy and we've had a little fall knock on our door. I'm feeling soups and things made with apples. And so I, I sort of like go by weather mm-hmm. and vibe yeah. because I feel like food is such an emotional thing. And so I would say, you know, I've got actually some, so my cookbook is titled love, welcome, serve. And then the subtitle is recipes that gather and give. So I actually have menus broken down in the back that say, if you're gathering people, these are the menus that I would make. If you're wanting to give food, that is also a hospitality ministry. Here's what I would take that travels or make that, make that travels. So, I mean, I love, you know, if I'm having a big crowd, I love to do brown sugar chili over cheese grits. Which oh was actually I, say no more. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Well, and let me tell you because this is the season you're going into. So this is real life. This is how that came around. I had told Grace, my oldest, you can have some college friends come over and they can watch the Super Bowl. And she said, "Great." And she, I, she and this is kind of how we all, always operated. I said, "I'm feeling like we could probably do. Let's do about ten kids." And she said, "Okay, great." So then, as the week got closer, she said, "Hey, I think we're at 14." I said, okay, I can do that. She said, I think we're at 20. I said, okay. And then the night of, so I got all the food for 20. And then the night of, she said, mom, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, now the word's out. I don't know who else coming. I was like at the last minute, like making chili and putting out bowls and, you know, all the, icing down drinks and all that. And let me say icing down drinks, meaning the cheapest bottled waters on the planet. We just put them in ice and they, they just drink them straight out of the bottle. And I looked at Sam. I said, I don't have enough food for 20. I don't have enough food for an open-ended invitation. I don't know what to do. He said, can we go to the grocery? I was like, no, they're already like in the door, like in the door. And we had already kind of pulled out all of our, every bag of chips and crackers and all that. Right. And I was like, what can I put with chili? What can I put with chili? What can I put with chili? And I was like, grits. Because I had a loaf of um, Velveeta cheese, God's gift to people of the world. Jesus was the first gift. Velveeta cheese was the second, right? I had Velveeta cheese and I had grits. And I was like, I'm making grits and I'm going to throw a ton of jalapenos in them and we're going to stir them up and we're going to tell them. I told, we'd never even had it before. We're going to put grits in the bottom of a bowl because they're basically like quick Crete mm-hmm. and they fill mm-hmm. your stomach and they stretch 
the chili. So I made grits. I um, had the chili and we told people here, put the grits in the bottom, ladle the chili on top and then put your fixings. And it basically doubled my chili recipe. And I am here to tell you, it is one of the best recipes in my cookbook. And it is the best crowd feeder. And the other beautiful thing is, is if you were going to have a crowd, like we're kind of going into holiday season, like game day weekends and people in town for, you know, college thing. I'm in a college town, like college things. And then the holidays, you know, we've got multiple holidays, community groups and small groups are kicking off and you're going to maybe be hosting people in your home. It's my go-to chili and grits. And you can make the chili in advance by a couple of days and stick it in your fridge and you're not in there stirring. And then you can just stir the grits. And I use five minute grits. I don't even do stone ground, long cook grits. Um, and then all the toppings it's, it really was kind of this accidental, wonderful discovery. And it's kind of become my go-to for gathering people. You can make cornbread, you can put out chip. I mean, all of it. There's so many ways to stretch it and feed people. Well, yeah. And, and like, that's something cheap too, you know? Um, cheap. Yeah. Has anybody ever told you, you need to open a restaurant? All the time. Okay. I know. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I know the, the, the bigger know, the dream. Yeah. I know all the time, but you know, I actually, I remember one time Sam and I were in the car just, and he has a great heart for ministry and hospitality too. And I, I appreciate that so much. Um, I thought we were brainstorming, like, let's do our what ifs. What's the, what's the crazy thing that we could do one day. I mean, and I'm, I've never even told anybody this. I'm not doing it. So let's just be clear. I don't want anybody. (laughs) Yeah. I said, wouldn't it be fun if we just had like 12 people over for dinner? Like people took, uh, took reservations. We had one meal. They didn't even know what they were getting. It was whatever I was making that night. And they just bought their tickets or made the reservations and came to dinner and it could be just strangers. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, was it like an experience where you go to a restaurant and there's some chef that owns it that's in the back? I get to be with the people and actually cook and feed them. And not like people that are my friends, but like, just put it out there. Like, mm-hmm. let's do that. What if it was a restaurant that operated like only nights, 12 to 18 people. They don't even know what they're getting. They just know the food will be good. And I get to actually cook with and serve and get to know people. Start time is at seven. Everybody's out by 10. And that's the whole night. And that was this dream that I had in mind. I mean, years ago. And do you know what is so nuts? And I just realized this recently. I'm doing that. I have these things called supper clubs. And I host a four course dinner for 16 people. I put the dates on the calendar. Nobody knows what they're even eating. I set a pretty table and strangers from all over the country fly in and we have dinner. And it has never crossed my mind that it is kind of the same purpose and concept of my little, what if we ever had a little restaurant dream? Um, but yeah, I mean, isn't it so funny how the Lord, like it isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be or in a little, in a real similar way. Your latest book is titled gather and give, which is a biblical overview of the table. So would you give us an overview of what the Bible tells us about the table? Yes, of course. I would love to, um, you know, I think one of the most fun things for me in studying all of, um, and going deeper into first Peter four, eight through 11, which the commands are love, welcome and serve, which really boils down hospitality for us. Um, one of my favorite things was really taking a good hard look at how Jesus used the table as a pulpit in his life. Um, you know, he didn't have a home. He was a wanderer 
And so he made his home with people and in their lives as he traveled and spoke and taught and ministered to people. And so, um, you know, one of my favorite things is that he, he used a shared meal. He used an invitation. He used a gathering in homes on the shoreline, reclined at tables. Um, he used on a hillside that's a feeding of 5,000. I, um, you know, and just to observe that and to watch how Christ used a hospitality encounter to build relationships, to connect with people, to find common ground, because the table is common ground. No matter who you are, what you do, where you live, who you voted for, whatever it is, the table is common and it's ordinary in an extraordinary way. And Jesus knew that. And so he would always, always either accept or initiate hospitality encounters so that he could build relationships and community. And then, you know, he would move from soup things like normal things like, oh, we're having this bread and fish. And then we're going to visit and we're going to connect over that. And then he had this beautiful way of taking that opportunity around the table or a shared meal and moving things in a spiritual direction. Sometimes they were sweet and kind and gracious and warm and encouraging. And then other times he really got down to business about big time heart things. Um, just kind of whatever the need was at the moment in the people that he was gathered with. Um, and sometimes it was just, you know, connection. And I love these, I love the people I'm with. I just want to, I want to be with you. And this is our favorite way to find comfort and, um, and to connect. And so, you know, I think that Jesus did it beautifully, that the table is something common. It is so simple yet significant. It is the perfect opportunity. It creates a hospitality encounter around the table, creates the perfect opportunity, the most ideal setting for emotional, relational, and spiritual transactions to take place. And Jesus modeled that for us. And I, you know, and so we model it like Christ did. One of my favorite quotes, and I think we've kind of talked about it that this at the beginning, but I, I wonder if you have anything else to say about this, but you say simple hospitality of the Bible values connection more than perfection and people more than presentation. Mm -hmm. And I really just love Amy, how you focus on sharing God's heart through everyday hospitality, not like just this, these holidays or these traditions. And it's great to do it in those ways too. So like it can be fancy, but it doesn't have to be like back to our chips and salsa. So, mm -hmm. so how can we practice hospitality in our everyday life practically? Sure. Well, I think one of the most important things, and I think you'll hear it in those particular insights that it's biblical hospitality is people over presentation and connection over perfection and sharing over showcasing one, the first of all of those is purpose-driven people, connection, sharing, and, you know, the other part, the other, the, the, the opposite of that on the other end of those insights is really about us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that one of the most important things for everyone to understand, and it really is the, the goal or the hope that of, of what comes across in the book, gather and give is that I think if we're more, if we are, if we really understand the why of our hospitality, the purpose 
the eternal significance, the blessing and the joy. It's fun. It's a joy. It can become a joy. I know for some people you're like, it ain't a joy for me. (laughs) It becomes a joy in your way. It can look your way. Doesn't have to look my way. Um, But I think once we understand the purpose of our hospitality and the eternal significance, then what that does is it actually permeates our life. So it's not, so when, when hospitality is about us, it feels more like an event. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. We're going to go buy this. We're going to do an invitation. We're going to put it on everybody's calendars and whatever that feels. And yes, I do those too. But I feel like we can tend to lean toward event-driven hospitality that really has the focus on us, um, presentation, mm-hmm. showcasing, um, perfection, all those things. But I think when we do understand the purpose of biblical hospitality, that it really is just about loving God and using our home as a really approachable platform to love his people. Well, that is so simple. Then it actually permeates our life. And we begin to live as hospitable people in the world every day. So it's hearing that your neighbor down the street had, um, back surgery. I'm thinking about my friend down the street, um, had a back surgery. And then because I understand that it's not hospitality, being hospitable isn't about me. It's about God and others. I, I ran something down to her and then I don't, and I don't even know her very well. And I literally just said, can I pray for you just really quick? And she was like, sure. And I just squeezed her hand, prayed over her and walked out. And she texted me later and said, the food was really great, but praying for me in my kitchen meant the world. Mm. And so, you know, soup things to spiritual things, simple, ordinary things become extraordinary when believers really buy into the greater eternal purpose of our hospitality. And when we do buy into it, it becomes part of who we are. It's how we speak to the people at the grocery store, at the checker, at your favorite restaurant or whatever. Um, it's just your ears and your eyes become open to the needs of people and how you can minister to them, how you can invite with invite them over, run to their house and take them a little bite of food, how you can pray with them, pour a cup of coffee. You know, it just kind of becomes who you are. And then it actually affects your everyday. So beautiful. And I want to just tell you, so my, my next door neighbor, her name is Miss Doris and she's in her upper eighties. And every time, well, she brings us flowers and she brings us peaches Mm -hmm. or whatever the season may be. Um, but she, when people are sick, she always brings them an angel food cake. Isn't that like the, it's like your little angel is literally visiting you in so many ways. I just think it's the most precious thing. And so she is, she's promised to teach my daughter, Kate and I, how to make the angel food cake so we can continue on that tradition. Oh, I love that. And here, let me tell you another thing from Miss Doris that Miss Doris has probably learned over her years. I think a lot of us think that when we show hospitality, it has to be crazy fancy or We have to keep coming up with new things. Mm -hmm. I gotta, I can't make that again. I've already made that. I've already had community group over here at my house and I've already done brown sugar, chili and cheese grits. I got to come up with something else. Miss Doris makes an angel food cake every time. Mm -hmm. And so what I always tell women, one of my first steps of just dipping your toe into hospitality is make food that is simple to you, that, you know, people like, you know, it tastes good. Y'all have got your recipes that you're like, you know what? I love to make pioneer woman's oven roasted brisket. It's my, everybody always loves it. Great. Make it a thousand times. 
make that your go-to meal. And so that's what I do. Brown sugar, chili over cheese grits, rave reviews, affordable. I can make it in advance and I make it a lot. I don't have, I don't feel like I have to reinvent the wheel every time somebody comes to my house or that I take food to someone. And then do you know what happens? Angel food cake done well that you could make with your eyes closed now becomes your signature. Mm. And that is special. Yeah. Like someday when we're not here, Unime, Unime is with the Lord, but I can tell you, I can remember watching her make fried pies. I can remember how they smelled. I can remember how they tasted. I remember how people like fawned over them. Mm-hmm. She made them every, I mean, for every single event and every holiday, they were her signature because she could do them like crazy. So don't, don't try to reinvent yourself. Just do what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Miss Doris, angel food cake, always. Yeah. My mother, she always made French crepes with her homemade raspberry jelly with a sprinkle of powdered sugar. Like it is, isn't it funny how some food and hospitality, uh-huh. it wasn't necessarily, I mean, the food was delicious, but it was the way that they made um, a spiel. So I, uh-huh. I, I don't know. I might know the answer to this, but I, I won't put words in your mouth. So, okay. you know, we've talked about how we can be hospitable, how you obviously are so good at this. I'd love to hear if somebody, somebody in your life, when you think of somebody that has been hospitable and practiced hospitality really well in your life, um, mm-hmm. who first comes to mind for you? Like what, how's it gone a long way in your own heart? Well, I mean, I mean a long way. I mean, there are so many across the years that have really left a, an imprint on me. Um, you know, my mother, my mother cooked. She, my mom's not a from scratch cook. She's a shortcut cook. She's a canned and boxed girl, mm-hmm. but she still cooked. And she still served people and opened their home. And I'll tell you what, my mom and dad are empty nesters or, well, they're not, not just empty nesters, they're grandparents. And they have recently moved to Northwest Arkansas after 50 years of living in another town. So they've moved three miles within three miles of me. They moved here. And I'm not kidding you. If you lined up their calendar and my calendar for the last year, they've probably have more people in their home than I have. Mm -hmm. Because I said, we've got to build relationships. We want to get to know people in the church. They have invited, invited, and invited. Does my mom make stuff from scratch? No. But does she have a hospitable heart? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, and we've talked about her, but you know, there were some people I, I think my, my, my eyes were really opened to hospitality and impressed the most when we first came on staff at our church, when we were in our twenties, because it wasn't my mom or my grandmother, it wasn't family. These were women outside of the people who were quote unquote, supposed to love me and serve me. When I saw people who just loved Jesus and heard that we had a need or wanted to just know us or pray over our little young ministry family. And so they would say, just come over here and sit, let's love on your babies. And, um, let me just serve you tonight. Um, people like Jim and Pam Hall, I write about them in my book, incredible people who show hospitality, like they really believe that their home is the Lord's and it is a revolving door there. And that's not what it has to look like, but theirs is impressive and beautiful. Um, and then just sweet women. Like I had a little Bible study leader named Betty Getty one year and she was older and I was young and, you know, I missed my babies were young and, you know, when one baby gets sick, they all get sick. And I had missed probably two Tuesday mornings in a row. And she called and checked on me and I started to not feel well. All my babies were sick and she just called to do a little check on me. And she said, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Are you good? 
which is hospitable, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. It's um, not always food. Even <laughs> the call, the call, the call, the prayer, and the thought. And yeah. I said, you know, we're kind of all, go- you know, I'm going down with the ship. I don't feel great. I'll probably be there by next week, whatever. And I coughed, you know, we were all coughing and probably an hour later, she lived in a town, not my town. She lived in a town away from me, probably an hour, hour and a half later, she knocked on my door and had gone to the whole, you know, the organic, um, grocery store to get me good things. And she brought me a really fancy cough syrup. I would have never been able to afford at the time and soup. She said she showed up at my house with cough syrup and soup because she heard the need. She recognized the need and her hope for her hospitality was to love God and love his people well, and to lean in and meet those needs. And she gave me cough syrup. She gave me soup. She squeezed my hands. We prayed and she left and it lasted. I'm almost 50. It has stayed with me forever. Mm-hmm. And that's sweet. It's not opening your home. It's not revolving door. It's not stacks of paper plates and styrofoam bowls or dinner party plates. That's everyday hospitality. You're in tune with the Lord and his spirit. You hear of a need and you respond with care and compassion and the comfort of food. It was precious. Well, Amy, I have felt seen and loved mm-hmm. and important, um, just in our own conversation before I hit record and during, um, and so I'm just, you're just a gift and I'm so thankful for you. I pray that I can stay connected with you. I'm sure listeners are going to want to, to get in contact with you and connect with you. So tell us how we can best do that. Sure. Well, I love to hang out in Instagram. So I, and God bless you all. My Instagram handle, it does not look like our language because it's <laughs> Unimaze and it's all lowercase. We'll put so it in the show notes. Put we'll, it in the show notes so yeah. people can literally type in one letter at a time. Um, Unimaze, here's the good news. If you can type in the word Una, E-U-N-A, I'm probably one of only about three in the whole entire like, it's website. True. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, and it's me and my big blonde hair. So you won't miss that. Um yeah, I love to hang out on Instagram. Um, and so I really do like to engage people there. I share things behind the scenes at my store. And when I'm sh- hosting people in my home or cutting fresh flowers and all that, and I'm going to hang out in Instagram and Facebook like I normally do, but we're moving most of the fun to the gathering.amyhannon.com. So it should be fun. I'm excited. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, this sounds so good to me. And Amy, I just... Today has been so wonderful in so many Um, ways. So thank you for your time. Thank you for helping us to just encouraging us to gather and give and to love well uh, with what God's given us and to believe a little hospitality can go a long way. It sure does. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode with Amy Hannon. We hope that today encouraged you to gather and give with the people in your life and to believe that a little hospitality goes a long way. This week, your little task is to ask God, who is he leading you to host in your home? How can you prepare and be present with that person? 
If you're interested in show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you there. I'd also love to connect with you over on rachelkadams.com. There you can subscribe to receive your weekly love offering newsletter and all of this information can go straight to your inbox each week. You can also listen to previous podcast episodes. You can read the blog series. You can buy the significant merchandise and download free resources like the conversation guide, guided journal, and the list tracker. Next week, my guest is Rachel Gilbert. She is on the show talking about how a little grace goes a long way. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week. And as always, remember to lead with love.